Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3, hopefully through 10, building the Mount Rushmore of the tribes of Israel, and continuing our discussions on millennials. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Joining me in the first chair is Pastor Ben Kingston. Dad, what is the food that you usually refuse to share? I usually refuse to share. Well, I've been married 30 years. I don't know that I even am allowed to do that anymore. Um, Put your pants on, man. I I know. I know. It's just not worth it. (laughs) Let's see here. That I refuse to share. Well, in other words, I don't let anyone else know that I have it. Sure. Yeah. Choco Brownie Extreme from Dairy Queen. Yeah, okay, a blizzard from Dairy Queen. Okay, good answer. In the second chair is Dr. Gavin Hooks. What is the food that you usually refuse to share? It's a whole category, dessert. (laughs) Don't share dessert. And if you ask my kids, what's the one dark spot in my character? (laughs) (laughs) I'll be happy to buy you your own. That's right. I'll buy you two. Right. Don't eat mine. Right. And don't ask. That, my, my kids don't. They stop it, it. They've learned that lesson by now. <laughs> and finally, in third chair is Ryan Mayberry. What is the food that you do not like to share? I Strategically, there is nothing that I don't share because then I can have the moral high ground and say, well, I shared mine with you. That's right. Ooh. That's right. There you go. The Trump card. Yes. Yes. So that people share with you, you make sure you share. <laughs> which is kind of where I am at as well. Uh, I said I have had a lot of personal growth in this area. (laughs) Our family likes to ask for other people's food but doesn't like to share their food with other people. Uh, So we've had to grow in this. uh, But now as long as it isn't the last bite of whatever I'm eating, I am willing to share. So as long as you're not trying to take the last joy. You know I I share pretty good. I'm I'm not going to let you bite off of what I'm trying to eat. I'll cut it off and hand it to you. That goes all the way back to my brothers. I, that just would gross. I'd be done. Yeah. If they would grab my burger and take a bite of it, it was theirs. Doesn't bother I'm, me at I'm, all. I know, but it. Ugh. So anyway. Sometimes I'll look it just to be extra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony has horror stories about with sharing with me right. as well. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so those in the audience, in fact, I already got an answer. Layla does not like to share her chicken Alfredo. There you go. Don't share pasta. Those in the audience, if you'd like to share your own answer to this question, text the number on the screen, and I'll show or share them throughout the show. This also applies to any other questions or topics of discussion that we broach. Uh, As always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post or wherever it's posted, and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. And even if I don't post it, you can make your own post and talk about what we've talked about on the radio show and share it on your timeline. So our first segment is covering Ephesians in chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. And I will read those verses, and then we can jump right in. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And I've gone too far. I was just going to say, I think you've gone I was getting in. I was was appreciating the verses there. On a roll there. It's good stuff. So last week we covered one and two. uh, Be ye therefore fathers of God's dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, hath given himself for us, and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So that was the light. Uh, Paul is encouraging us to to be like our Father, to let the light shine, so on and so forth. But now he contrasts that with the darkness. This is what you and I are not supposed to do. Now, uh, you know, for me, this is a, a struggle from the standpoint of, you know, you'll find people within what you would think to be conservative Christianity 
and they still don't know what God's word says about these sins. And, you know, we live in a society that, you know, blurred lines doesn't even do it justice. There are no lines any longer. And it's very important for all of Christianity to, to know where those lines still should be and to take a loving stand. And so uh, for someone to say that, well, God's word doesn't speak about, you know, a couple living together, it absolutely does. Uh, the Bible doesn't have anything to say about sexual immorality. It absolutely does. So here in verse 3, fornication, which, of course, is sex outside of marriage. Uh, in, in other words, two people that are not married, they're single, if you will. Uh, and it's saying, uh, do not let this uh, uncleanness or covetousness, let it be once named among you as become a saints. So Paul is saying in a very clear way, uh, you, you, put a, you put a circle around this, and by God's grace and God's mercy and God's power, you don't do it. And if you struggle, you repent and you don't do it. Uh, if it's a, a constant battle, you go get help. Uh, that's what the church is here for. Uh, we're not here to condemn. We're here to help. And so uh, it's important to make that loving standard and the such. Comments? So these, I, I can't, these are areas that will harm you. Yeah. Do, doing these things, yeah. participating That's why he puts the circle, you bet. Well, not only harm you, but the, the community. It will yeah. hurt, harm the community. And, I mean, we can take the details of the harm that it does on, up in another conversation. Let's just say that it, it causes harm. So we, we have this list of things that will cause you harm, but you say that you're a follower of Christ, and you say you, you, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but you continue to do these things. It's like somebody who says, I take care of my body, I eat well, but I, you know, I like to once in a while add some arsenic into my salad. Right. So it doesn't matter all the good things that you do is still going to be destroyed by those, those harmful things that you're adding into your practices. And now you, in today's, our, our society today, the opposite side is putting a line around these sins and saying, you can't say they're wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we've right. got a, a section of society that's protecting things that are harmful so you can see how upside down we are culturally speaking but we gotta keep saying it and not necessarily in judgment but in love and hope right. that somebody will see that this is doing harm to you personally and you can stop it by the grace of God you know one thing I challenge you to do is to listen and or hear a anchor a six o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock anger refer to sexually transmitted diseases. And then, okay, maybe they refer to it, but in a negative light from the standpoint of you should do everything you can to avoid this situation. Right. They will not do it. Um, why is that? Because that's, if you will, the dirty little secret that they don't want you to know, you know, the, the quote unquote sexual revolution of the 1960s brought us from three sexually transmitted diseases before that time to 23 now. And and some of them are... Incurable. Incurable. Life-changing. Right, life-changing. Or ending. Or, or ending. And they, even they, beyond exactly. the physical aspects, because a lot of them, you know, you can make excuses in your mind, well, it can be treated with drugs, or you yeah. can prevent it with sure. such and such method. Sure. There's consequences beyond that, too. You see a lot of women who... Women in particular, but both, because women are more... Um, drawn to a relationship with someone that they're going to have sex with than men are. Sure. Um, but they're just left depressed and anxious and with no meaning in their relationships anymore. And I feel like that's more devastating to them than the physical aspects even mm -hmm. necessarily. Right. I mean, if we're, again, all on this medical health revolution, but yet we're ignoring a lot of the things that cause mental health issues because mm -hmm. we want it to be okay. And the world offers an answer, but it's not an answer that heals. No. It's an answer that creates more harm. Mm -hmm. It's just a downward spiral. So uh, this particular verse, he says fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. Uh, and he really kind of started with the worst and went to a lighter, if you will, but the lighter leads to the worst. If you allow yourself to covet, which is to desire something or someone else, 
if you allow yourselves to get in the uncleanness, whether it be pornography, uh, dirty jokes, uh, watching TikToks that you shouldn't watch, I mean, fill in the blank. It's sooner or later, you know, and I've shared this with young men. You keep feeding that monster sooner or later, it's going to have to be fed. And, and whether it's rape or, you know, j just right out fornication with the girlfriend or whatever the case may be, you're going to fall. And so the only way to keep that from happening is to not take part in the uncleanness, not to take part in the covetousness. I even shared this recently. Uh, there is a really, really good book out there written by a Christian man for Christian purposes. I can't read it because he's he's dealing with this particular subject, but he deals with it in such a way that it, it it's too Provokes. provocative. <laughs> yeah, it's too provocative. And and I recommend it to people that are struggling with sexual addiction or however you want to say it, but I, I've tried to read it, and I, ca I can't do it, you know, type deal. And so, uh, you know, I love the verse that says, make no provision for the flesh. Uh, so, verse 4 because we may not make it to 10. Uh, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So not only holiness in your physical uh, inside and out perspective, but now, excuse me, holiness in speech. The difference between holy speech and unholy speech. Uh, and so, you know, I love the verse that says, have your speech seasoned with grace, basically. Um, and, and when you and I are partaking, and it's so easy to do, and I think there is a fine line. I'm okay with having a good time. You know, if, if it's all guys or all girls, you know, you, you just got to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I have found that he will. He'll, he'll ring that bell when you get, you know, too far. Questions or comments, I mean? I would say that being on a construction site all day, that, that bell has been rang many times. <laughs> well, you know, the joke here is, you know, Bob Rapold will say, hey, i got a joke for you. And I'm like, uh -huh, it's okay, Bob. <laughs> oh, no, I've cleaned it up. Uh, even then, you know. But uh, we joke about that all the time. Did you have a comment? Mm -mm. Okay. Number five, for this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I feel like for me personally, you know, you're reading along, and yeah, yeah, that's bad, that's bad, and then all of a sudden, boom! If you're practicing this, you don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. This is a verse that people use to prove, quote-unquote, that you can lose your salvation. I do not believe that you or I can lose our salvation. I do not believe that the Word of God supports that. So what do you have to do? You have to interpret the cloudy with the clear. When you go to 1 John, it uses the word practice. So here, and Paul is the same author of both of those books, this book and, uh, no, John, I sorry. Said said John. John is the author of 1 John, <laughs> my bad. Uh, but, but he uses this idea here. He's not telling you that you will lose your salvation. He's telling you that if you can stay in this type of sin, you never had salvation. And that's a very important situation. And very honestly, it's a really good thing to know. Because if you're struggling with this to the point that, that you're okay to just continue to practice it, you really need to search out your salvation. Paul says you need to search it with fear and trembling. Uh, but if the Holy Spirit, Jerry Jolly used to say it this way, if you can sin like the devil all day long and go to sleep without a pang of conscience, you're not saved. And so, you know, I'm sure everyone's sitting uh, here in this audience and at this table, you know what that pang of conscience is. Uh, I always joke with people and say, because they'll say, well, you don't have to do that. No, no, I, I have to do that, whatever that is, because i got to sleep with myself tonight. I want to be sure and absolutely be right to, toward you. It makes an interesting comment there. For, for this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, Right. Hath any so so those and what pursuits, is an idolater, Gabe? Someone who's so you're worshiping something other than God, yep. uh, the the God of the Bible, anyway. Yep. So you've got a an emotional investment in something more than you have an emotional investment in God. That's right. It, and a Christian can be an idolater. You can't be an idolater and be okay with it. 
you know, and not struggle again and not have that conscience pain from the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Proverbs says that the conscience of man is God's flashlight in the inner parts. It's, it's how he gets our attention. Hey, you shouldn't have done that, you know, type deal. Gets your attention and then shows you what he's trying to tell you through his That's word. right. He shows you the way out. So, you know, we've talked about... Go ahead. I was just trying to get the a phrase that you've said a long time ago. Anything you're giving more emotional intensity to you beat me than to God. It. I'm sorry. No, no, I love it. <laughs> uh, but, but, and that's exactly it. it is, it, and that was something that God dealt with me. I was so intense with this or that. Well, you know, that's idolatry. And, and it took that understanding to get me to say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. If I have more emotional passion for blank, right. it's an idol. So let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. This, this is what I say to that. Guard your heart. Be aware that people are trying to deceive you with empty arguments. They sound good to the flesh, but will put you in the path of God's judgment. So, you know, a little insight to Brother Ben here. This is a big time of year for me to listen to sports radio. I want to consume all oh, that I, I can about the NCAA. What's that, babe? I said, oh, I know. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> uh, the NCAA tournament and such. Well, guess what they're doing at Hooters tonight? They're having a bikini contest. And if they played that, that whatever you want to call it, commercial once, they played it a thousand, a thousand times, times today. And glory to God, I had to click off it because I don't care about no – Bikini contest. That ain't part of basketball. That ain't, that's right. No, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> and and I listened to way back when, 590 The Fan, 25 years ago. I had to quit listening because it was just, it wasn't sports anymore. It, it was sports and women and, and, and all the They would do a bracket on women in entertainment based on their looks. It just was, mm. it, it was absolutely what this passage is talking about. And, you know, if you're going to be holy, you got to be holy, and you've got to separate yourself. So I'd go to 99.1 every time they would go to that stupid commercial uh, and, and go from there. So uh, all that said, um, that, that's, for me, that's what verse 6 is about. We can't, uh, if, if any time in history we could understand this verse more, so that word deceive means to delude right. with empty words. If we, any time in history that a culture has been deluded with sexual empty words or, or errant words or wrong ideas this time in history, the word woman in particular just has no meaning anymore. Anyone can be a woman. That's right. Well, right. Who was, who was the woman of the year or whatever was a transgender? Recently they gave out a, an award for a woman and it was mm. a transgender. Mm. And it also kind of speaks to the time we're in now because it, it goes through all of these things that the idolaters are doing. And then it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. It kind of implying, at least in my mind, that these are the people that are going to be deceiving you or the people doing this, which kind of reflects on um, our time now. How When people are involved in a certain sin, they try to convince you that it's okay. That way they themselves can be convinced that it's okay. Right. I mean, look at what California is trying to do with... Um, oh, maps, minor attracted people. Mm. So they're no longer uh, pedophiles. pedophiles. Right. They're minor attracted people. And not all, not Bra all pedophiles are Branding. child abusers and not all child right. abusers are pedophiles. Right. So, wow. uh, well, again, a, a personality that I won't give the name to because I, I like this guy, but Ever so often, especially when the city is trying to get a new sports team or whatever, I've heard him say it several times, nothing in this world brings people together like sports. That is idolatry. Mm. And it's not true. Yeah. It's not true. Uh, and we're going to stop there. You bet. Um, so we'll pick up with verse 7 next week. So for this week, we're going to build the Mount Rushmore of the tribes of Israel. Now, when I was trying to come up with the year-long schedule and all the Mount Rushmores we were going to build, I obviously was getting to the bottom of the barrel <laughs> with this one. Because when I Googled it, most of them kind of fade off into obscurity. Sure. Like, you don't really know, you well, don't hear much about them. Yeah, you've got to be a student of those first five yes. books of the Bible 
to really have a, a deep me, and I am not uh, to the level that I may desire to be, but I, I know that there's 12 tribes, uh, and, and honestly, when I saw that Joseph was given a tribe, I'm like, I, I don't remember that. And so uh, Ephraim and um, Manasseh are his two children. And so basically, uh, because you lose Levi and you lose Joseph, but Ephraim and whoever I just said, Ephraim, Manasseh, uh, Manasseh uh, they fill out the twelve. Yes. Well, they're actually on my Mount Rushmore because of that. Sure. Oh, wow. All okay. three of us. Oh, yes, okay. I was, was well, going to say, Joseph we probably... I just went ahead and put Joseph, but yeah. th who's um, going to go first? Go ahead. You started. All right. So I put Levi as number one, even though he's not technically a tribe. Um, but he, why is that? Because they're priests. And uh, I mean, they are a tribe. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but they were not given land. That's what I should have said. They, right. did, they were not given inheritance. And th this is an interesting thing, and I won't go real deep into it. But this is basically how we justify biblically paying our pastors now is because the Levi, Levites were to make their living off of the tithes that went to the tabernacle uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, so Benjamin would be my third one just strictly because I love the name Benjamin. Uh, number three uh, or two would be Joseph because he's just one of the most awesome characters in the Bible, and then Judah, because that's where Jesus came out of. So we have three of same. the same ones. Um, instead of Joseph, I just put Manasseh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Um, and then I also had Judah because it was the notable tribesmen of Jesus, David, Mary, Solomon, and Caleb. Levites, for the same reason, because of they were honored because it was Aaron and mm -hmm. Moses' tribe, mm -hmm. and they were entrusted with the temple. Um, and then Zebulon, because I like the name, but also because they had the largest presence in the army um, that made King David of Israel at Hebron. Um, and they, they served him, the First Chronicles 12.33 says, with an undivided heart. There you go. Joseph, at number four, with Ephraim and Manasseh, and just the history there is really interesting to me. And it's, uh, it's also interesting who came from those tribes. So Ephraim was the tribe from which... Joshua came from, mm -hmm. and he's like a fourth generation mm. from Joseph, and it makes Joshua's organization skills and his uh, command of leadership mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of Joseph. So Joseph's organization skills, and just he just per percolated to the top of every place that he, he wound up on the way to being the second in command of the world. Um, jo Joshua had the same leadership skills. You don't hear much about Manasseh other than they're the half-tribe. Right. Uh, so they, they got they lost half something with the the choice to go across the Jordan or something. Right. I can't, can't remember the details of it though. I, I think since they wanted to stay on the other side, they were only given half. Gotcha. Something along those lines. Number three, Benjamin. Uh, he was the smallest, but apparently the the fiercest. Uh, if you remember in Judges when uh, they were passing through one of the towns in Benjamin and they did this horrible act, this man's concubine. Um, all of Israel gathered to, to wipe them out, and Benjamin whipped them a couple of times until finally the third time the whole nation of Israel was able to subdue them. So tough, small but tough. Uh, number two, Levi. Uh, of course, Levi gave us Moses, Aaron, Miriam, Samuel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Ezra, Malachi, all from that tribe, and then number one, Judah. I'm glad you guys had so much on it because I kind of opted out of this one just for the, <laughs> the same reason like Ben was saying. I just I, I could name the Levites. I right. know what they did, but right. everyone else I was pretty fuzzy on. Sure. Um, so I've had my interest peaked lately with Old Testament yeah. stuff. So I've been reading through it, but I haven't got to the point that I could give a reason for why I had the top four. So I figured better than better so to... with uh, that knowledge, do you think that Israelites today know what tribe they're from? With with Prager's Dennis Prager's has he commented on what he which tribe he thinks he's from? I actually heard that question answered recently, and from what I understand, you can basically narrow it down to a couple. Um, I don't remember which ones it was, uh, but everything else is kind of fuzzy. Right, because it when I googled it, it kind of showed that a lot of them, like I said, faded. So like Reuben mm -hmm. basically became non-existent. Yeah. I think Manasseh did too. So there was only like a few left, and it was probably the ones that we like Judah and the Levites mm -hmm. and um, Benjamin. 
Benjamin. Yeah, probably. Those are the biggest. They weren't really good characters. Mm-mm. Even I, Judah. I, I just right. say, even Ooh. Judah was was quite wow. the rascal. <laughs> Joseph obviously was a, the a superstar when it came to you know uh, yeah. holiness and such. Yeah. Uh, they, Judah could have learned a lesson from uh, Ephesians five there. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Oh, we need to move on to the precarious moment, chapters forty-two, forty-three, and forty-four. Still talking about millennials. So as I read through this, uh, preparing for this. I was just reminded, um, I told Molly today that I feel like out of this book, this is the section that we have the ability maybe to make the biggest impact. I'm talking about as Bethel Baptist Church, simply because, you know, we're in Lonedale, Missouri. There's not a lot of racial differences in this area. Immigration, again, we're not close to a border town. That's not to say that we don't have, you know, some folks across the border here. It's not to say that. We just don't have a large impact. Israel, of course, there's a limit that, you know, to there. Uh, and then you get to this situation. Well, they're, they're everywhere. You know, the millennials are everywhere. And we absolutely have a, rea- uh, what would the word, a responsibility. Uh, and, and I have a desire uh, to reach this age and the such. So reality number two, uh, millennials are not traditional. And I don't know how much influence you have, or maybe that's not even the right word, but exposure. Uh, but but there, there's never a truer statement said that they're not traditional. That's okay. Uh, you, you can't, you know, you got to get to a place that you don't react. <laughs> You know, oh, that's cool. You know, let's talk about that. You know, instead of, <gasps> you know, I can't believe that. They're kind uh, of anti-traditional. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of a difference that I've, even w- before he said it in the book, I've kind of noticed myself as you've got everyone before the millennials that they, you know, their parents passed whatever tradition down to them and they accept it because it is tradition. And then all, I don't know what caused the change, but almost on a dime, it seems like they changed to just because it's tradition, that doesn't mean anything. You have to be able to explain it, which I don't necessarily think to an extent is bad, but if you're just throwing no, it out absolutely. because it's tradition, that obviously is bad. Right, and, and that is something that, you know, uh, when Gavin and I were young, they would basically say, you do it because I said it. Right. Sir, yes, sir, you know, type deal. Well, you know, I, I mean, even anybody that, that has a reasonable mind knows that, if you got a kid that will do that, praise God. But if not, what's wrong with giving them an explanation? What's right. wrong with giving the, the, if you will, the impetus behind why God, you know, just like we, we always try to say now, and we've already referred to it uh, earlier, when God says don't do something, he's really saying don't hurt yourself. Well, that's an explanation instead of don't do it, you know, because I said. <laughs> well, because uh, now the young people of today, they think, well, what are you hiding? Mm-hmm. What, what are you trying to manipulate me on and right. such of that nature? Do you think, uh, just out of curiosity from your guys' opinion, but do you think part of the reason that it changed like that would be just uh, because the previous generation failed to explain without being asked? Do you think that would have anything to do with it? Like, rather than just saying do it because I said so, they didn't explain. They didn't explain the basics why, even if they didn't lay it out as an argument why. Do you think that would be? Yeah, I I think it hacked them off. Mm -hmm. I think it hacked a lot of parents off, uh, meaning when they were kids. And so when they raised their kids, you know, uh, they kind of drew the line um, again, which isn't a bad thing. But if you if you don't continue to explain, you know, this is something as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know if we've got any in here that, that, you know, go this way. But uh, this whole thing of, well, I'm not making my kids go to church. I'm going to let them make the choice. My loving response to that is, is okay, so if they don't wake up tomorrow and don't want to go to school, we good? Don't want to get up and eat? Yeah, if they don't want to get up and eat, if they don't want to brush their teeth, if they don't want to do their chores, you, you good? Right. If they don't want to go to the soccer game that you paid $150 you know, for them to go to, you good? No, I'm making my kid go. Well, we start, we finish, <laughs> is what I hear them say for that mm. stuff. Right. For, for all of that stuff. But when it comes to church, bless God, I mean, you know, heaven and hell's in, in play. We're 
Yeah, little John, you don't, yeah. Now I'm being a little facetious, but the the I just don't I don't get that, and so. Uh, I, well, and, I, and and just the fact that you know, again, taking it to a major argument or talking point, the gender dysphoria situation where they're letting oh the kid needs to decide. You know, right. we want them to be gender neutral until they can decide what they are going to be. Right. But they're children. Like y they don't come out knowing everything. You have to teach them. So as a parent, you're teaching them oh, you're a boy because of these reasons, right. and these reasons are physical and you can't right. change them, or you shouldn't and change and them because it comes at great cost The saddest thing is we can't tell them that God has a plan for you as right. you are. Right, right, right. right. You're, he, he made you that way for a wonderful purpose. Uh, so If I could just address yeah. uh, Ryan's, sure. I, I think it's, it's all, of the, all of the above and the breakdown of the family. Mm -hmm. I, I think the respect for parents has dropped off because this generation has experienced abuse, neglect, uh, colossal neglect um, from their parents for whatever reason and are being raised by grandparents or right. so or by the school system. But it, I was about to yeah. say it started though when women were encouraged to go into the workforce thus leaving the kids at home alone. So now the kids have to go to school. And so now it's the government that's programming our kids and not mom and dad. And so then, yeah, then they're neglected, like you said. But it's it started way before the millennials. I mean, we could oh say it started absolutely. with you know the boomers. Yeah, uh, we were raised with the phrase latchkey kids, you know. So there was a key under the latch for the house because mom and dad wasn't there when they got home. Right. And, you know, think about the TV programs for the last 25 years. Can you name two positive male roles? Mm. Yeah, you it can. brings that out in the, right. in the chapters. Uh, so, solution number two, he says, offer a new vision, but one based on historic and traditional values, but without necessarily saying, <laughs> hey, this is a <laughs> traditional <laughs> value, you know. Mm -hmm. Don't uh, have to have the guy guys drumming along, playing the piccolo, waving the flag. Right. It doesn't have to be it have like to that be style, that. Right. but That's with the exactly same right. values. Um, Right. So, you know, recall that much of what millennials believe is based on how they feel on a specific issue. Facts or tradition is not where, where they will start, for they have been encouraged from kindergarten on to feel and decide for yourself. If we want to see millennials embrace traditional positions beyond their aforementioned laudable opposition to abortion and human trafficking, we need to know how to help them feel about other issues so they will decide for themselves to embrace traditional positions and biblical truth. And, and I couldn't agree with that more. The arguments, and if you will, the, the positions that we hold bring good feelings, you know, if once you can explain them and once you can support them again with, with fact, they bring good feelings, you know. And a favored you, end. Yeah, a favored end, very good. Um, so uh, other comments along those lines? I'm going to go to 43 now. Uh, a new type of education. This is reality number three. He says, uh, growing up, millennials re were repeatedly told the importance of getting a college degree. Many did. And parents are now finding more were indoctrinated than educated. Uh, and this is why I believe school choice is important. Uh, you know, true to this church, again, 25 years ago, it was a big issue whether or not you were going to homeschool your children or public school your children or Christian school your children. And to help alleviate that potential fight, I brought to the church this, this idea, if you will, that any one of those is wrong if you haven't prayed it through. You know, I, I support all three, but you got to pray it through. Now, very honestly, if we were in, uh, you know, we, we're here in rural uh, Missouri, if we were in urban Missouri, I'd probably say you need to choose between homeschooling and private schooling, you know, type thing, because of what of an indoctrination camp those schools have become. Now, you know, I'm not in that situation, so I can't say definitively. Uh, all three of my children went to public school. I'm a supporter of public school. But I do see the inherent risks and the such, and I 100% support uh, the other options as well. But it's got to be prayed through, and you've got to know <coughs> what your kids need and the such. Right, and I think if you're going to choose to put your kids in public school, then you need to be willing to be a part of the uh, decisions that happen 
in the public school because even though you're allowing other people to educate your children because you need to work and that's totally understandable especially in today's economy and situation you still want to make sure that they're getting the education that they need one and that that's not going to indoctrinate them like they're saying here um, I have a text from Jamie that will end this segment on. So we are trying to teach the kiddos immediate obedience with an explanation after they complete the task. We do this with a thought process that God wants immediate obedience from us, and hopefully this will prepare them for that expectation later in life. Um, also a huge respect factor there. Uh, they need to respect that we, as their parents, have their best interests at heart, and they need to trust us in that. We are working to build that trust daily. So for sure, I, and I kind of thought this earlier, like when you – you are trying to create a behavior in your in your in your um, child. You will definitely give them the explanation up front at the beginning, but then hopefully later it will become instant obedience because now they know why and how and and you know, like they respect you and respect your decisions in that situation. Can I support that with a story that involves you? Oh yes. <laughs> so <coughs> I 100% agree, Jamie. And so we had been trained to train our children to instantly obey. And one of the things that we trained our kids on was stop. If we said stop, they were to boing, 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 boing. And uh, so coming out of uh, McDonald's one Sunday evening uh, there at the drive-thru, a person had actually come out of the drive-thru and was passing everyone and accelerating, I'd say up to almost 20, 25 miles an hour in the parking lot. Molly had busted out the door and was going to go across to where the car was, and I, she couldn't see what I saw, and I just screamed, stop, and bang, 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 she stopped, and the bumper went right in front of her eyeballs. And who knows what would have happened that night had she not been trained to do that uh but that that is a that was all you know that convinced us right uh, we're still working with tony but nonetheless <laughs> <laughs> tony <laughs> would you. be dead That's right. um okay we're gonna do our famous movie phrases for a few minutes but until i think the trek is here but i don't know if they're all here so um i will start with one of my quotes so it's carpe diem seize the day boys make your lives extraordinary anyone know what that is from what movie I, 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 yeah can't think of the name of this movie. The Rock. Dead Poets Dead, Society. Dead Poets Society yeah. from 1889. It's a sad movie. I didn't like it, but I liked that. Never first. seen it. Uh, you don't. You're not missing much. It's, there you yeah, go. it's kind of. It's a it, Robin Williams it, it, movie. David thinks you should see it. Yeah, I struggle with Robin that, Williams. That. I really do. <laughs> I, I have heard it's a good movie. Oh, the, he's crazy. He. He gone. <laughs> he gone. Oof. Okay, what's the next? You shall not pass. Fellowship One of my ring. favorite. Oh, okay. That's ring. your quote. I was That's like, my quote. were you oh. telling that to Robin Williams? What's <laughs> happening right now? What's okay. happening? That's my favorite quote. Yes. Perfect. Uncle Gavin? A man's got to know his limitations. Oh, yes. The eminent theologian of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> oh, from what movie? Josie Wells. No, no. no, no. Uh, he uh, said in Josie Wells, too. Go ahead. No, this is the modern one, the, the, where he's the detective. I can't remember the name of the movie. I just remember the... Uh, dirty uh, Harry. Dirty Harry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, he said it in Josie Will, too. Go ahead. Is that true? No, I said, is that modern? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, it's not. No, not really. <laughs> it's modern for Gavin and oh, I. Because it was in the last 30 years. Dang millennial. Well, I've got another what would have been a modern movie, I guess, at that time. But uh, it's from, it'll, it's obvious what movie it's coming from. But when the guy asks Conan the Barbarian, he says, what Conan is the best thing in life? He replies, to crush your enemies, drive them before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. You're right. That's, that's a conquering uh, quote there. Uh, we have someone from the audience saying, uh, do you want to build a snowman? Oof. I think everyone knows where that's from. Let it go, let it go. All right, well, here's, here's one of my favorite as well, and then we'll move on to your, your questions. They call me Mr. Pig. <laughs> anyone know? Lion King? The Lion King. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite parts. Okay, so do we have the wheel, Brad? Let's pull the up the wheel. wheel. What, what are we doing? Hit it. We're doing trick questions. Oh, trick questions. Gotcha. 
And it looks like Dad's gonna go first tonight. All right. So this was this question was not attributed to a Trek person. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, it just says eighth grade class. Why did God choose the Israelites as the chosen people? And how do Old Testament non-Jews make it to heaven if they were not the chosen people? Even though it's related, this really is two different questions, but I'm going to answer them both. Uh, why did God choose the Israelites as the chosen people? Uh, the scripture talks about that he takes counsel with his own will. And so, you know, you and I have counselors that are outside of us that hopefully are smarter than us and the such. There is no person smarter than God, so he counsels with himself. And he made the choice to have Israel, starting with Abraham, as his chosen nation. Wasn't anything, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, Abraham was serving him. Abraham was called a friend of God and the such. Uh, but he was not lifting them above other people. They weren't chosen because they were better than anybody else. They were chosen because they were going to be the people that brought Christ to the nations. That's my humble opinion. And so that's why they were the chosen people. How do Old Testament non-Jews, which we would call them Gentiles, how did they make it to heaven in the Old Testament days if they were not the chosen people? Well, one thing that they would do, which I don't think this got them to heaven, but if they wanted to uh, be in the chosen nation, they would uh, convert to, and, and there's a, another term, proselyte. They would be proselyted by the Jewish nation, nation uh, but they would uh, convert to Judaism. With that said, though, how did they get saved? They got saved. Old Testament saints, including the chosen people, got saved the same way you and I do with this one exception. We look back to the cross 2,000 some odd years ago that Jesus died on the cross, raised from the dead. They looked forward to the cross. They had to believe by faith that Jesus, the Son of God, they might not have known to call him Jesus, but the Messiah, the Christ, would come and bear our sins and, you know, live again. They had to believe that before the cross. We have to believe it after the cross. Comments? So uh, in <clears throat> the one thing that I might add to sure. uh, Israel being chosen, the chosen people, the choosing process, God, God was... Every, everything you said, just, just to support that, add to it, Abraham also said yes. He said Correct. yes to God. Correct. So God made the offer of a relationship. He did obey. And, and Abraham, we were talking about obedience earlier. A Abraham made the, the uh, instant obedience to follow God and to go into a land that he'd never heard of before. And that is a very good picture of our salvation. God is asking everyone to join him in a relationship and for you to be his people. Amen. Um, so... so in the example and picture of Abraham's being called and God making him his chosen people, God is offering that relationship to all of us as well. And you can accept that That's right. and become his people um, by choosing a relationship with him, accepting the relationship he's offering. Very good. All right, let's move on to the next question. Dead air. And it's going to be me. Molly. It's going to be me. Okay, so this question is from Chase in the seventh grade class. Will we have our dream house in heaven, and will we have special abilities like superheroes? And this is more than one question. Will we be reborn in heaven, start over at zero, or will we be the age where we are now and not ever change? So um, I believe the unfortunate thing of, of these questions, Chase, in the seventh grade class, is that a lot of these are conjecture or things that we assume by what little is written in the Bible. So as far as I know, the only thing mentioned about houses in that are made in heaven is simply that Jesus is making them. So if Jesus is making them, I think we can agree that they're going to be stinking awesome, right? And he is the author of all things, so he is the author of technology. So I think we're going to be able to have all the technology that we want. I think our houses are going to be more than what we can ever dream or imagine. However, I don't think the houses are the important things. And I'm not like, I understand I like to think about what's going to be our place in heaven. I like to think that I'm going to have non-diminishing cookie dough, supply of cookie dough in my refrigerator in heaven. 
But the most important thing is not our houses, right? But it's the fact that we're in heaven and with Jesus and that we have a place to remain with him for eternity. Um, and that verse that I mentioned is in John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So I said, so whatever your dream house is, take that and multiply it by 77 and then add Jesus as your roommate. And that is what our house is going to be like in heaven. Okay, so I do not believe that we will have, moving on to the next question, superhero abilities, um, but that our heavenly bodies will be more perfect and better functioning than the ones that we have on earth. So I don't think we're going to be flying necessarily, but I do think we're going to be the perfect human. Um, so you won't have sciatica and have to limp for a month. I also do not believe that we will be reborn as babies in heaven, but I also am not sure that we will age. So I think you will be at like the... Mm, what is it? The the pr optimum prime, prime optimum. Yes, optimum. all of these words. Fifty-seven. No, <laughs> we'll all be thirty, the, the but with no with no back issues. <laughs> yeah. So those are th that's my answer to all those questions. I hope I answered it correctly. Very good. I, I will say this. Uh, I'm I lean more toward your ideology, if you will, <laughs> that it's a physical house. Some scholars do believe that that is in reference to your new body. I don't think we can prove it one way or the other. Yeah, well, one thing that? is for sure. One day one we day. will. That's no. exactly. We'll right. know when we we'll, get there. We'll be happy with whatever it is. It's not going to be less. That's than right. Home here. That's right. Right. Yeah, and I mean, we have descriptions of the new heaven and new earth a little bit in Revelations, and what they describe is, like I said, it's jewels everywhere, and uh -huh. everything's reflecting the sun, and it's a huge city, and gates of pearls made out of single pearls. So it's going to be amazing. No matter what it is, it's going to be amazing. All right. Hit the wheel again. I think we have time for one more question. Where's the, what's that quote from? It's going to be Ryan, big. Ryan. Right? The indoor plumbing. Indoor yeah. Plumbing. Indoor plumbing. It's going to be big. <laughs> and Ryan. Okay. So my question was, will there be time in heaven? So <clears throat> obviously I haven't been to heaven, but going through scripture... Um, it says, and Jesus says in Matthew 5, and if anyone knows what heaven's like, Jesus will. So he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And it says, Matthew 6, our Father in heaven, hallowed be their name, be thy name. So we can see by those verses that God is in heaven. Uh, the Bible also says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, so that verse tells us that there was a beginning to what we experience. Uh, it's a marker of time, and there was no time before that beginning. So if God created time itself in the beginning when he made uh, the universe, and he has to be looking from outside of time to create time. He can't create it from within what he is going to create. Um, so if God is in heaven and outside of time, then it makes sense to me that there would be no time in heaven. I like the way you think. And that also coincides My with if, if we're right going to, to live for eternity, uh, if you want to think of it in these terms, it wouldn't be that we live for billions of years and it just keeps on ticking. It would be that there's no time itself. We are just existing in yeah. heaven with God outside of time. Mm. So that's well, that's he, deep. He's timeless. Yes. He's timeless. And, and uh, yeah, we're, 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 there's not going to be any limits. Isn't there a verse in Revelation that says, and there will be no more time? Correct. I believe so. And all the yeah. deadlines are over with. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, David Mails also texted in that there's no social media in heaven. I'm Praise not sure I agree God. with that. Amen. I Praise think there could God. very easily be social media, yeah, but it won't be. It's going like to be in millennial heaven. I think David's uh, trying to start. Well, that's fine. We don't have to invite <laughs> the boomers. <laughs> we wouldn't come if you did. That's so, right. What did you say about the millennials? They won't be there? They don't need it? For no. no. <laughs> I said that'll be in millennial heaven. There'll be no social media. As well. Did we read oh, Bose? pretty cold-blooded there. We did not read Bose. He, he, so this movie. is his famous movie quote, is keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> Home alone. Okay. Well, that was, wait, is that all can our I, questions? Can I just oh. do a little plug here? Yes. If you have any questions about heaven, this is the resource I always go to. The references are extensive. Any subject about heaven, Randy Elkhorn's Heaven is an excellent resource. Everybody have, ought to have this in their library. So I don't get paid nothing from that. 
So, Gavin, do you think you can answer your question in t three minutes? So, will we have jobs in heaven? Will they exhaust us? What will? What if we just want to be on vacation forever? Is that is that possibility? Um, I I think that yes, we're going to have jobs in heaven. God created us, created man with the idea of him working the garden. Of the, he had things for him to do. Mm. Um, I think we get so much satisfaction and fulfillment from doing jobs. There will be things that you want to do that you can't keep yourself from doing. Um, so yes, I think there will be jobs in heaven. I think it was God's intent, part of his creation, for us to do things creatively. Uh, will they exhaust us? I, I think that they may, if you, depending on how hard you work, but you can certainly be refreshed quickly. Um, and if you want to be on vacation forever, if you can, if you can somehow accomplish what you're there for on vacation, absolutely. The uh, a book idea I had years and years ago, or maybe a movie idea, because I, I see this in two phases. You know, the the people that die right now before Jesus return. I believe they are immediately employed, if you will. And, and you know, I, I almost see the Holy Spirit as an amazing, unexplainable terminal uh, of, of, if you will, Internet access. And I see the leadership that he gives to us. I see a uh, employee with a headset on, and, and the Holy Spirit sends that employee uh, something to do, and then they send it, route it to the people that it needs to be routed to, and such of that nature. You know, uh, th there's a terminal, you know, person. Uh, that's not the right word. Um, but what what are those folks that that work uh, in the dispatcher. cubicles? A dispatcher, right, right. And um, so, you know, there's n no proof to that. I wouldn't build any doctrines on that. I've always thought that would be an interesting thing to build uh, a movie or an I or a book idea on. But once Jesus Christ comes back and once the millennial reign is done and all that neat stuff, yeah, I, I, we're going to have stuff to do. We're going to enjoy it, and, and it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be with a, without the curse of sin. That's, that's right. Yes. Thing. So that's your, right. your work, work won't be frustrated by right. the curse of sin. <laughs> and, and the, yeah, and Amen. In my, you know, in my job, I, I help animals stay healthy. That's probably, if, if there's a job in heaven that I'm, I want, that, that's one of them. But what happens, do they get sick in heaven? I don't know. Do they get hurt in heaven? Do in the new heaven and earth are there animals that get hurt that need help? I don't know. Might just uh, have to train them for competitions or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some kind A of Pokemon uh, trainer. <laughs> oh Lord help. <laughs> okay, um, that is actually the last of our questions that we got from you guys so far. So if you have more, feel free to ask us. Those guys. Um, do you have a quick word of wisdom? I do. Here we go. Uh, be where your feet are. Boredom is a choice. That is soft pride that says I'm better than what's going on right now. Choose humility Amen. and dive into the situation and have fun. Preach it, bro. Wow. Okay, well, thanks for coming tonight. We've enjoyed all of our discussions, and we'll see you next week. Bye.